is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. My name is Brando, episode 166. Thanks for hanging out, however you're joining us, whether it be via the iHeartRadio app or or SoundCloud or Spotify. It doesn't matter. You found us through AlternativeNation.net. I don't care as long as you're, you're hanging out with me today. And today's another good episode. Coming up in just a moment, we will be interviewing author John Wiederhorn. Now, John, he, uh, he's written a few books. One that really sticks out when I, I think of, of, about him is Louder Than Hell. And he wrote that with a friend of the show, uh, Catherine Terman. Now, if you listen to the podcast, you, you know who she is. She is the producer of Nights with Alice Cooper. And she's also the co-author with John on Louder Than, uh, Louder Than Hell. We've had her on the show as a guest because she grew, kind of, I don't want to say grew up with Duff, but they were... Both living out when they were younger, I guess, out in L.A., so she's friendly with him and obviously just a great person and uh, very knowledgeable about rock. So with that, uh, John, I think, is it's it's a, to get to pick his brain now because Catherine, we had her back as a co-host with Ernie C., so to pick the other side of the brain of Louder Than Hell. Uh, so John has written uh, another book called Raising Hell, <laughs> uh, Backstage Tales from the Lives of Metal Legends. Nice. So we'll talk to him about, of course, his new book and obviously about Guns N' Roses. We've discussed in the show if Guns N' Roses is a metal band or a hair metal band. I know it's, it doesn't really matter as long as you make good music, but sometimes it's t- fun to talk about the genre, the subgenres of metal, right? Then after that, and be sure to stick around after our interview with uh, John uh, Wiederhorn, we will be doing a segment. Uh, I've, I'm have i bringing it back. I, I'm doing it more often. I love it. Talking to you, the fans. Fan obsession. Fans. And this time on the show, we will be speaking with Dan from Philly, who is a, uh, a podcast host. I mean, he's like me who has a regular day job. I guess my regular day job is... Uh, is radio, but still. Uh, he's just a Guns N' Roses fan, just like you and I, but he also has a podcast. What the Famicom, uh, a gaming podcast, talking about video games and stuff. So we will talk to him, not just about his personal Guns N' Roses stories, but since we're getting a guy who knows all about video games, let's talk about GNR references in video games. I think that'll be fun. So that's coming up later, but first, we welcome in John Wiederhorn, again, the author of the brand new book, Racing Hell, Backstage Tales from the Lives of metal legends welcome to the show john how you doing i'm doing pretty good brandon thanks so i was just telling my listeners that i'm friendly with the a co-author of yours of your previous book louder than hell uh katherine terman who happens to be a former guest of the show sure as am i <laughs> she's a she's a good egg she's doing uh, alice cooper's radio show now as, uh, as a producer a good egg that's exactly how i would describe her so uh, we're here to talk about you of course in your brand new book so how many interviews or, or quotes would you say that you've compiled in your your new book? Wow, I, I think there's about 125 people interviewed, uh, give or take. Um, and most of them were done specifically for the book. There's some archival stuff, but uh, for the most part, I had a vision for the book and I knew what kind of questions I wanted to ask. 
And uh, it wasn't something where I could just pull quotes from past articles so easily. There was, there was some of that when I couldn't reach someone, but uh, really the, the questions were very directed towards the chapters that they were in. And a lot of people cooperated and were really happy to, uh, to talk about this stuff. Wow. So what's also amazing to me is not just the, the quantity, but it's the quality. So in today's day and age, some people are afraid to talk and give the salacious quote because of the clickbait that's out there, social media. How did you get them to open up to you? Well, I've been doing this, uh, you know, I've been interviewing bands for about 25 years now, and pretty much everyone in the book is someone I'd talked to either for uh, a website article or uh, a magazine or newspaper article um, numerous times in some cases. So I've, I've had a pretty good relationship with, uh, with everyone and uh, have developed a certain level of trust. So that goes a long way. And uh, when you approach them with this book and say, okay, you know, it's about the outrageousness of metal, the lifestyle, the culture, um, it's supposed to be a fun book and uh, sort of an entertaining book. No one's going to get thrown under the bus. You know, I don't want to uh, uh, dish on anyone. Um, the chapters are going to be divided up into aspects of what a metal musician goes through in their life, near-death experiences, um, harrowing road drives, uh, possibly confrontations with the, the uh, paranormal or occult, um, sex, drugs, rock and roll, uh, you know, vomiting. Uh, there's a chapter on, on that, which made me a little ill, actually, by the time I was done with it. You know, uh, and of course, Spinal Tap had to do a, a chapter on best Spinal Tap experiences, and, I, and, and that's my favorite in the book. So I didn't want to just do something that was outrageous and about sensational clickbait. Um, there was an element of that because metal is a pretty outrageous uh, subgenre, but um, I wanted it to really encompass all aspects of other recording and touring uh, lifestyle and, and what it's like to be a guy in a metal band. And, you know, um, Billy Grazia from Biohazard uh, wrote a really flattering uh, back, back cover blurb for the book. And, and he said, you know, this is all the stuff that goes on that you don't tell your wives or your best friends about or your kids. And uh, John really nailed it. And, and it's, um, you know, it's it, reveal the curtain and this is, this is what you've got. These are, these are the crazy stories that we all laugh about. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I wanted really to get across those things that maybe you don't find in magazine interviews and, and, uh, aren't specifically about subjects, um, in terms of being about the history of a band. They're just about specific anecdotes. You mentioned some of the topics, the different topics of the chapters, you know, ranging from you know, drugs to strippers to the devil. Was there anything because it's sometimes hard to be surprised in the, the genre of metal. I mean, over, over time, of course, there are the very shocking bands that happen. But what about you, uh, especially since you've been covering it for so long? Was there anything, like one or two, that really surprised you and shocked you to find out? Yeah, I, I was a little surprised that uh, uh, Paige Hamilton of the band Helmet, which was sort of an alternative metal band, but I still consider metal, and they were great, um... I was surprised that he told me about uh, his his dabblings with heroin in uh, Helmet and and how you know they were pretty off the rails at a time and and got into fistfights and 
I kind of had always seen them as a really together alternative band and alternative rock. Although, yeah, heroin was certainly a part of the grunge scene and some of the alternative scene. But a lot of those guys didn't really act like metal dudes. They really acted like, you know, they were, I don't want to say above that, but there was a a certain um, behavior that went along uh, a certain certain mannerisms. Um, so for Paige to, to tell me about that and also to reveal his love for metal was was surprising. And then also I was was truly shocked that uh, Limp Bizkit bassist Sam Rivers uh, revealed actually for the first time the fact that he almost died from liver disease and, and required a full liver transplant. And uh, he broke the news to me. That's nothing he'd ever talked about before. And, yeah, this was six months ago when uh, we did the interview and I'm sitting there for, over the months thinking, oh, God, you know, there's no way this is going to be exclusive to the book because someone's going to find out, but, you know, no one did. And, and uh, you can read about it today as it comes out. To bounce off you referring to Helmet as an uh, alternative metal band, of course, metal has a lot of genres and subgenres. So if you notice the name of my podcast, which of course is a clever Guns N' Roses pun, I'm curious what your thoughts on GNR are. Are they a metal band? Do they have elements of of metal? I would love to hear your opinion on them and the the genre that they put themselves in. Sure, sure. It's a loaded question. I mean, GNR are a great band. There are a lot of metallic elements about what they do. They did fit in with the kind of hair metal scene, the evolution from, you know, um, Aerosmith to uh, Motley Crue, you know, Rat, Doc, and all of those uh, Sunset Strip bands. Uh, so they, they did come out of that. And definitely Van Halen. There's a whole lot of Van Halen in, in, uh, in, in Guns N' Roses. Um, but they wrote great rock songs. So... I don't, you know, although I'm as guilty as the next guy of subdividing metal subgenres, which, you know, get ridiculous to the point where you have things that are called gent, which I don't, I do know what it means, but it makes no sense to me, um, you know, and metalcore and then uh, deathcore and, you know, death metal. and But um, really to me, it's all about a feeling and it's all about a uh, emotional attachment to a music. And for the musician, it's about whether they've really gone out there and expressed themselves and uh, made an emotional commitment to, to what they're doing. Um, I think if it rocks and it touches you and you want it to be metal, then it's metal. And if it's not metal, who cares? If it rocks, it's just, it's, it's all that matters is that you like it. I agree with you. Uh, metal is an attitude, just like rock and roll in, in general is an attitude. Because there's Motorhead metal. I mean, they they definitely, Lemmy never wanted to be called metal. Um, and certainly he comes from rock and roll roots with, uh, you know, a, a huge uh, influences from, from Chuck Berry and Little Richard, but at the same, and the Beatles definitely, but at the same time, he sped everything up and distorted it and delivered it with a, a, a snarl that influenced so many metal bands. And he brought up, you know, hardcore or a punk edge to it. It was even before hardcore, really, that he was doing what he was doing. And yeah, I'll call Motorhead metal uh, and one of the best. But uh, if he wants to call himself rock and roll, you know, six feet under, then I have the utmost respect for whatever he wants to call himself. Right on. And just like you, I'm not going to argue with Lemmy no matter where he is in the world. <laughs> John Wiederhorn, thank you so much. 
Best of luck on the new book and congratulations. Thank you so much. So since we had another short interview, that doesn't mean the episode is over. We're going to do a fan obsession. We'll see if we get to shotgun news. But first, fan obsession. And you know you missed the soundbite. Fan. And I believe we can just, do we just call you Dan from Philly? Do you want to go by something? No, you can. Yeah, I like go my Dan. I I remember in grade school, all my teachers would say Daniel and would say my full name for the longest time. And I'd be like, God, just call me Dan. Or Danny boy. <laughs> da- Danny boy. Danny. That's what they would call me. They would call me Danny and I would like want to rip my hair out. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow that gets reminded me of the first, uh, since we're around the same age, mid thirties. I guess mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on the back end of the mid-30s, but it just reminded me of uh, Nature Turtles 1 when the... When oh, was, Danny's the kid, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when he got all, he got older and at the end, like yep. he, he didn't want to be a kid anymore in the eyes of his dad, who was the Yeah, uh, he owner. became more mature. Dad, call me Dan. Call me Dan. Dad, it's just Dan now, okay? Dan. Dan, yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. And the dad like, and the dad grabs him and hugs him. Hugs like Dan, <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, uh, beautiful. So uh, we got Dan from uh, from Philly, who is the host, another podcast host, and uh, what the Famicom? Because it's uh, yeah, I, what the Famicom. I think there's an M at the end. No, there there is because you taught me something that I didn't know. Because I remember getting this is why I don't like being called a millennial. I remember getting. <laughs> The regular Nintendo, the the first mm-hmm. n- n- Nintendo. I remember what it was like not having computers, and so Famicom, Famicom. I, I keep thinking like it's like a sci-fi, you know, uh, anime con, whatever. Yeah, like a like a Comic Con or like yeah. My, I, I agree with you. It does sound like that. My brain keeps going there, so forgive me. So Famicom is the, was the name of the the Japanese version of Nintendo. Yeah, it came out in the in Japan first in like eighty four, eighty three, and it was known as the Famicom. And that means family computer, which is a combination of words. Oh, see, they're smart. Yeah. So that's, I just took, uh, I just took that from my podcast name. It's just what the fuck plus Famicom. Cool. A a gaming podcast. It's a gaming podcast. It's kind of like a, I like to coin it now with my co-host as a gaming podcast for people that hate gaming podcasts because we don't (laughs) just, we don't just talk about a game and don't go like, Hey, you should play this and recommend it. We just, we take games and we kind of take games that are even probably well-beloved and just shit on them and okay. just kind of like find things that are wrong with them, find bad things that are probably amazing about it. And we make up segments at the end, like uh, Reddit AMAs. We just, yeah, we just kind of go for broke because we really don't care. That's cool. Because, uh, you know, in addition, because obviously we, we both love love Guns N' Roses, which is why mm-hmm. we're, we're talking right now. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I love video games. I just don't play them anymore. I just don't have... I don't know. I just don't have the time to play them. But I mean, like I said, growing up, I had the first regular Nintendo. I had you know Super Nintendo. I had uh, GameCube. What else did I have? Uh, Dreamcast, right? Ooh, those uh, are good ones. Yeah, Dreamcast. And then like my, when it got really crazy, you know, with all the PlayStations getting those every year, and my brothers yeah. got, got the Wii, and you know, just but the the ones that still that forever in my heart are like the Bubble Bobbles or the Mario. Oh yeah, Dig Dogs. Yeah, yeah, but I think my favorite has to, of all time is has to be Resident Evil Two. That was probably the last game that oh I, yeah that I played hardcore. That's great, the police station. Yeah, and the guy that's chasing you throughout the whole game. Yeah. Oh yeah. So those those were those were fun, man. So that, that that's cool. So in addition to you know talking about you know video games and and your love of video games, you obviously love Guns and Roses, and you know I appreciate you following my podcast, and you know obviously I'm, I'm interested because I like. It's like I follow 
I don't listen to. Like, it's so funny. It's, it's nothing against you. It's, I guess people ask me like what kind of podcast you listen to since I host one. I don't mm-hmm. listen to any. I, it's just I listen. It's to... hard. There's so many. There's too many sometimes, and it's hard to like find one interest and be like, oh, I'll listen to this. You know, when I have time, and sometimes you don't have time. Sometimes. You know? Right, which is why I, you know, I appreciate every single one uh, uh, who listens to mine and, and yours. I know that's where I thought that the podcasting game was was really perfected. Was it was in the, the gaming community and, and the wrestling community? To be honest with you, yeah, I do see that's I do see a lot of wrestling podcasts because you can kind of watch wrestling maybe or certainly play a video game while listening to a podcast. So that's kind of. You know, yeah. for to to be in that kind of realm too, and especially, you know, how harsh GNR fans might be. I think the gaming fans might be uh, even harsher. Well, funny enough, I actually combined my two loves of video gaming, Guns N' Roses, and I made that my very first episode. Because when I started the podcast, I'm like, you know what? I'm just doing it. I'm going to talk about these two things that um I just love my entire life, and just I basically the whole episode is finding. All the times that Guns N' Roses or Guns N' Roses related members were in video games. Okay, so you know what? Let's let's talk about that because the the, one, the first one right off the bat that, that I think of is uh, Axel, who was Tommy Nightmare in Grand, yes. Grand Theft and Auto. And that's the crazy thing. I actually forgot that one when I was doing the podcast. Oh wow! Okay. Of all the things to remember, that was the first thing that came to your head, and I completely forgot that one. That's funny. And before I forget, uh, and I'll put this out there to you: if you can find. And I, I've looked online because I want to, just like I did with the Looney Tunes writers, I want to find those who worked on that GTA game and worked with Axel and interviewed them. That's a them. great idea. So, you know, if, if you can help me since you're the, the video game guy, uh, you could be my co-host for that one. Uh, I would definitely, I would love to look that up. I would love to help you with that. All right, cool. Right on. So hopefully that comes to fruition. So what other, I mean, well, I just posted the other day uh, Guitar Hero 3 with Slash, right? Guitar Hero 3, yep. Oh, that was, that was cool when that first came out because, you know, at that point, GNR was, you know, dead as a doornail. I mean, yeah, I, it, and Slash was kind of selling himself to everything. He was just like, yeah, I'm still I'm still an icon. I'll still be all over the place. And he was front and center on that cover of that game. He was. And didn't Axel sue him for that? Yes, because they used Welcome to the Jungle on that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, things are still not good in uh, the Axel Slash uh, marriage uh, divorce settlement at that point. Yeah, that was 2004, five. That was six, before Chinese, mid-2000s. right? That was leading up to Chinese, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And then, because I forget, I don't think it was on, I mean, I'd have to look this up. I, maybe I should have done, uh, I have this in front of me, but uh, I forget which version Shackler's Revenge was on. So that was That funny. was on Rock Band, that Rock was Band a, 2. That was Rock Band, that's right, okay. Yeah. Okay, and then Buckethead, who... I, I think he was he was in GNR at the time, but one of his solo one of his many solo riffs was in maybe the first Guitar Hero. Yeah, because I, I think I remember hearing his name and I'm like, oh, that is the dude from that's in Guns N' Roses now. Maybe check it out. And then of course it was like all noodling, and I'm like, I don't understand what this is. <laughs> oh, it was great. So what other references GNR references are there in the? Uh, there's world? a guy. There's a guy named Axel in uh, Street Fighter. It's like a Final Fight Street Fighter game that's a fighting game. And over the course of like all the Street Fighter games, he's like been in like the background or been in like the story of somebody's like if one character has a story going on, he's always there. Um, really? There's another character named Axel in the Kingdom Hearts games. Okay. So I don't know if you remember those games. 
That's with uh, like Mickey Mouse and yeah, Mickey Mouse and Final Fantasy combined. And yeah. there was a character in it named Axel. Okay. And not only that, but there was like a potion in it that was called. It was something your illusion. It was like huh. drink your illusion or something. And it's obviously cool. a homage to the sure. album. So here's something else too, and maybe tell me if you forgot this then, because and, and you're the you're the the nerd. Sorry, I have to get this. Uh, no, I, I love it. I love nerd it. alert. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Twisted Metal Two. Do you remember playing that? Yeah, Axel, the guy with the big wheels. Yeah, I mean, yeah. spelled differently, spelled the uh, the Eddie Murphy Axel Foley kind of way, yeah. but it's still, it's just a cool name. It's just yeah, how do you feel wrong with a name like that. No, and I think most people really, I mean, given our age group, I think of Axel Rose first. Someone says Axel, I don't think yeah. of Eddie. I know Beverly Hills Cop was huge, and I just oh learned. My God, by, it was big. It was yeah, and I just learned by the way. So, side note, um, on, on Netflix there are these series. Uh, how it was made, like to- how the toys were made, and how video- oh the movies that we love, right? And the movies that we love. So Eddie yeah. Murphy was going to be an original Ghostbuster, but he mm-hmm. had to do. Yeah, Beverly I just saw Hills that. Cop. That's funny. I just yeah. saw that. Craziness, craziness. Uh, anything else that were that were missing? Any like uh, a quick one? Okay, is there was a Mega Man game in like the early two thousands? It was called Mega Man X Five, I believe. I wish I had it written down, but when it first came out. You know how Mega Man villains are all named like Rockman or <laughs> Iceman, stuff like that? Well, they cha- they started changing the names to make it more complicated. And in Japan, all their names were like in relation to Guns N' Roses members. Like hmm. a straight up like their names was like Axel Redius. <laughs> and the next guy's name was like Slash Maximus. Like these aren't verbatim, but it was seven villains. They were all members of Guns N' Roses. That's it was insane. insane. I guess the creator just loved them and wanted to put them in there and it was so out of place and then when they re-released it that i think it was recently it was like the last year or two they re-released it and changed the names completely because they were like oh it doesn't really match with the history of mega man and i'm like why are you doing that <laughs> it made it so unique hmm, i'm gonna have to look that up that sounds really interesting it's really because i think dizzy reads in there uh they have matt sorum's name is in there somewhere <laughs> wow and i'm like why why does this guy want to name every character after that's members? so random that just goes to show you it doesn't matter what your maybe your main passion is in life yeah the roses is there you know it, it's 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 it, it influences you so let's get to that part of it so you're since you're from philly mm-hmm. dare i ask if you were at the almost show that i was i yeah. i it's like I prepared for that show my entire life, but not really. And then when it happened, oh my god! See, this so, is, was that that was going to be your first? So we're we're talking about two thousand and two. Yes. The, the when they when Guns N' Roses came back, Axel is is fully uh, long braids, long uh, long hockey jerseys for the most part. My first time seeing them was Madison Madison Square Garden. It was the great. The day before. Was the day before there was a blizzard. Motherfucker, and I'm the, so mad. <laughs> and then the day after, I mean, I left happy. You didn't. So can you kind of take us through, um, I guess, your experience of a Guns N' Roses riot, if you would? <laughs> so yeah. So you he played Madison Square Garden. Apparently he was phenomenal. Apparently the whole band was phenomenal. So reading that online, I was still going on message boards in 2002. I was so psyched. Me and too. I go. Mm-hmm. I, we bought the tickets like I guess a month or two before. I go with my friend. Everybody's psyched. Everyone's just psyched that it's the name Guns N' Roses. I don't think people caught on that it's like hasn't been the original people touring, but they don't care. It's just Axel. And we go, and the opening act is Mixmaster Mike, mm-hmm. the DJ for some reason, 
and the local band CKY. I think it was a local Philly band. They were kind of gaining traction. Oh, see, I saw it was the same thing for us. Oh, okay. I yeah. didn't realize they were same same yeah. openers. Uh, we had uh, Darren Miller, who is now, I mean, CKY somehow still exists, even though the lead singer Darren is not in it. He, oh, I didn't know that. He okay. actually interviewed him. I remember this episode thirty nine because that was Scotto's last episode, and Scotto's a huge CKY fan or Darren Miller fan. And he has a new band uh, based on the CKY song, uh, 96 Bitter Beings, I believe. So that's the name of his new band. And yeah, it, what was so weird, he's like, nobody's interviewed me uh, about this, about the, the riots. Wait, and... really? Nobody has asked him ever about that? No, not until we did, at least not on, on, a, on a podcast. So that's fucking crazy. And I will say this before I, I forget. I have reached out to Mixmaster Mike, and his reps got back to me. And said yes, and to call them, and the number they gave me doesn't like exist, and I haven't been able to get through again. So wow, that would be the meanest prank if that was on purpose. I know. So I'm, I'm gonna follow up on that. Now I'm just saying that out loud to remind myself. So anyway, yeah. uh, so you got to see CKY, and uh, I got to see CKY. I think right. I knew a song at the time on the radio. I'm like, okay, and the guy I was with. So the guy I was with. Uh, so his Guns and Roses is Def Leppard. So he was like really happy for me because he knows how much of a big deal it is to like finally see the band that you're in love with for the first time. Sure. So we're standing there. CKY goes down. Mixmaster Mike comes on. Everyone's getting drunk. Everyone's having a good time. Then Mixmaster Mike starts continuously, you know, mixing his records. And everyone's like, okay, this guy's going on for like 20 more minutes. Then it goes to an hour. And then he, everyone's like, why is this guy still performing? What's going on? It's like probably past 11. So he goes off stage. Time goes by. Maybe another 45 minutes goes by. And then people are catching on because nothing's being set up on the stage. Nothing's going on. Everyone's looking at each other like, what the hell? Like, please don't let this happen. Because he did it in Vancouver, I believe, in the beginning of the tour. Okay, that's right. So this yeah. was around so that started off the tour. Is this around midnight? Or, uh, this is it's getting late i don't remember exactly what time but everyone knows that like he goes on late anyway yeah that time some absolutely. people are like okay we can push it through so then an announcement came on and said that uh they won't be going on i don't remember exactly what they said but there was an announcement saying they won't be going on uh please like it was probably something about refunding your tickets or whatever once that happened people started throwing stuff everywhere people started throwing chairs uh, maybe like 10 minutes into the announcement, I looked down on like the ground level and there was like a chair on fire. Whoa. And I was like, how, how is there a chair on fire already? <laughs> it's not like technically the ride didn't even happen yet. But once within like 20 minutes, things were being thrown at the stage. People were getting up on the stage, throwing shit, destroying what? stuff. Really? Wow. Yeah. People were throwing beers, like just on the ground, like from my level, like the 200, 300 level, people were just throwing beers, like really pissed off. So other people were getting doused in beer who were also mad. So that would get them to turn around and want to fight the other person. <laughs> and me and my buddy were like, um, I was scared shitless. I'm like, we got to get out of here. Why is this happening to my life right now? <laughs> uh, right. But also, also at the time, I also worked at the stadium. So I worked at the stadium at sports events. Oh. So I knew all like the employees there. Oh, wow. Like okay. all the older employees. So apparently I found out that uh, they had to take all the female employees and put them in like a room somewhere because of all the drunk guys. They were afraid that they would like try to like Holy attack them. Shit. Yeah, uh, that's always been in my head, and I'm like, that's the scariest thing I've ever heard. That's sick, man. Yeah, it's really sick. But like, it was getting pretty wild. Like the one chair on fire. 
was like literally the beginning of it and then things just went to hell what kind of chair i mean this might be sound like a silly question but i'm thinking you know when these things are set up they're usually metal chairs or things that are stuck it in. was i maybe it was like on the metal chair maybe the fabric because usually yeah. in these like ground on the floor levels there's metal chairs but like maybe a little cushion maybe cushion. the cushion was on fire wow you, you raise a really good point because I never thought of the science behind it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to be a, a truther. I believe you. No, I, I'm just I immediately trying to... saw a chair on fire. I'm like, I got to I gotta get out of here. My dreams are crushed. Everybody's going to make fun of me because they know because they know Axel's always later, not showing up or a bad lead singer. So for this to happen, that was ammo for every single person that has ever made fun of me for mm. like. Wow. Yeah. And I was I went outside and th- there was obviously news reporters. <clears throat> excuse me. And my sister said she was watching TV and she saw the news come up about the riot. And she saw me and my buddy just wandering in the background. And she felt so bad. <laughs> she saw you on the news report just wandering around? Yep. Because then at the same time, I think from my friend's cell phone, we called my dad to pick me up. At least and she was like, he, she said when she was watching it, he got the phone call. That's funny. At least uh, she knew you were safe. Yeah. And the she other knew I was th- alive. Yep. And the other thing about you having worked there is that you knew the, the emergency exits. Yes, we we knew how to get out of there as quickly as possible. How fast did it take for? Because obviously, you think of you know Will Ferrell and Anchorman. This escalated quickly. Yeah, that how- meme is the perfect uh, determination of what happened. Like it literally escalated within the first like ten fifteen minutes of them finally announcing that they're not going on. Things were immediately thrown. Did you see security guards around? How fast did the cops come I actually show don't up? remember what security was doing because I don't think security even knew what to do. Because mm. they were probably like, oh, we're just working at Guns N' Roses concert. No big deal. And then for this to happen, they were like, holy shit. This is like the apocalypse. I don't get paid enough for this shit. <laughs> yeah, basically, they probably locked themselves in rooms, too. They were probably like, we're just let it burn. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. That's amazing. So, I mean, were you aware of anyone who got hurt? No, I was not aware. Well, I think good. like I didn't have to work for another couple of days. And then when I saw everybody, the whole thing was like everyone else was OK. They were just making fun of me because my dreams were crushed. <laughs> so I don't know anyone that was actually hurt or anyone that was like injured during it, which is OK. Sure. You were just emotionally scarred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So uh, when was the, the next time you would see them? The next time I saw them was that was 2002. I saw them in 2006. All right. Same thing. Continental Airlines Arena. I think it's in the Meadowlands in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like the, yeah, crosser. That's the only time I've been in that area. But that's when he came back again with Bumblefoot, and they were like kind of on fire, basically in 2006. Yeah, and that's they, when I saw them. I think Sebastian Bach and Papa Roach were opening for them. I saw the Sebastian Suicide Girls uh, double bill. That's an I didn't see Papa Roach. Was that that? Was that that same year? I, th- I believe so because that's okay. when I saw them up in Ottawa. I, I can't oh, okay. find that. I can't find that shirt. It's a Chinese Democracy tour shirt, and yeah, it was uh, Suicide Girls, their burlesque show, and then Sebastian, then then GNR. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's the same same exact thing in, in the Meadowlands. That's where the uh, New Jersey Devils, uh, yeah. and not yeah. the Meadowlands, the Continental uh, Airlines Arena. That's where the Devils play. It was a good drive from where it was. A, I went with the same guy because again. The guy that I'm close friends with knows how important it is when you have like a band you love to like make sure you see them. He always tries to go see Def Leppard any chance he gets. So he drove with me. He drove me there and it was like, I don't even know, like over two hours. Did you have like PTSD? Like, did you just think? This uh, I was scared because I was like, 
I don't remember if 2006 he I knew he was showing up late, but I don't think there was any times where he didn't show up. And I'm like, it's been a couple years. Take a breather, Dan. We can do this. It's like therapy. And I'm like, all right, just go in with really low expectations. Let the two let the opening acts go on, then see how it is. They still went on late. And they I think that's when they started to play the songs that were apparently leaking at the time. Right. So I, they might have like played better at the time or IRS. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is like all I wanted. Exactly. Is it, is it so much to ask to pay to buy a ticket and see? Yeah, the band it's, it's for the person to show up and not have things lit on fire right next yeah. to you. Is it is that so much to ask? Wow, you know, it really is amazing to think about this band. You know, going past just the the early days when they were it was all debauchery and everything, but you know, when you had the the, the these riots later on during the Chinese era and and just un, the unpredictability of it all, and then just think about now what's going on, how everything is just run like a machine, mm-hmm. like a well oiled machine. What a what a fucking band we've chosen to. to yeah, to it's love. it's seriously a blessing and a curse to be a fan of this band because it's a it's a blessing because you're like yeah, there was riots during the Chinese democracy era. <laughs> and nobody cared about them at that point, but like, why are the riots? No other band is doing this, so it's like kind of cool that's unique, but also it's not cool when it happens to you. <laughs> in retrospect, there's a difference between uh, in the moment, perhaps you may not enjoy it, but in retrospect, like, ah, I lived through a riot and lived to tell. And about. now I have a story to tell on a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Little did you know. Yep. Uh, any other GNR related experiences that you've you've had? Uh, my or... my other my second experience okay. is the complete opposite of my riot. So I'm sure you remember that when Chinese Democracy came out and there wasn't really a lot of promotion, Axel decided to jump on the message boards and be like, "I want to talk to fans." So he right. he jumped on, I believe it was three message boards. I think he was rotating, like going, "I'm going to talk on this one, and then I'm going to jump on the other." Oh, I didn't know that. I only thought he was on uh, my GNR forum. I believe he went on li- at least two. Okay, from what I remember. Okay. But I think I made up an account like on the spot for the second one because I was like, oh, my God, I got to follow him, which is like stalkerish now. <laughs> but he's answering questions like people are asking him. and He's he's finally getting them. So I threw out a question about, hey, Axel, I had a question that I heard you made a song with Shaquille O'Neal because apparently there was a rumor in the 90s. I remember. Right. That, yeah, that he did a song with Shaquille O'Neal. And I was like, hey, I was just curious if that was true. If it's true, can you DM to me? Can you DM me it? please like i basically asked like hey give me the song (laughs) and he responded like a real serious reply like he actually responded like i saw like a reply on what i wrote and i'm like oh my god this can't be true like he actually saw this and he replied like yeah that was just rumors going around uh dizzy reed apparently hung out with him and then the rumors kind of went from there we never recorded anything and i didn't care what his his answers could have been like fuck off (laughs) but i was like holy shit he answered a question of mine he looked at my because I think my username was Dan, like at the time. So I'm like, he looked at my name, answered the question. This is like redemption for any bad thing he's ever done <laughs> in my eyes. But it was awesome because it was like two in the morning, something like that. So for him, it was just late night. For me, it was later night. And I'm sure. like, nobody was awake in my house. I was so excited. I told everybody I saved. I think you can find the transcripts on one of the sites with the Q&A's and my name and then my question, and then his answer. And I'm like, the fact that I'm, I know this sounds stupid in this kind of realm of fandom, but the fact that I'm immortalized in like a way that he did a Q&A with fans out of the blue, I felt so happy about that. And I try to like, I think it was last year, 
or 2018 was like the 10 year, it was 2018 was the 10 year anniversary of it happening. And I remember posting it on social media, like this happened 10 years ago, (laughs) (laughs) posted everywhere, telling everyone about it. I'm like, remember this, please. That was a big deal. It really was a big deal at the time. Cause yeah, it was, it was insane. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. And yeah, Axel is on this never ending tour now and we see him out and about. Yeah. He doesn't do a lot of interviews, but this was prior to him going on Kimmel it was prior to him. I, mean, I don't know if he was on Eddie Trunk at that time. No, I don't it, believe he was. I think that was like 2011 he was on Trunk, he, 2012. It's a, yeah, it's like he seemingly, you know, what happened those lost years, that at least to the public, that's what it seemed like, lost years. Uh, you really didn't see him. There these riots that happened, shows canceled, tours canceled, and he's taking time out to answer fan questions and that's a big deal so yeah i would i would react the same i would react yeah i think uh, i think people were asking him like about detailed things too they were like hey what was your inspiration for writing catcher in the rye and he wrote this like nice paragraph about something and i'm like he even though i got like a two sentence thing with questions he really wanted to answer he would write a lot and i'm like this is probably the only time in his life that he would be able to mentally like be like, just go for broke and answer fan questions. Because at this point, it's kind of hard with the machine and all, you know, like his tour. So I feel like that was the perfect time for him to decide to do that. And the perfect time for people to get like answers to questions that either were important or not important, but just to finally talk to him. I I, I would love for him, obviously, we all would to, to do more of that. You know, perhaps mm-hmm. if he did it all the time, it would lose its luster. And you know, Oh, yeah. Be one That's of those... why the mystery is still there. That's why the the allure is like. You don't know what this guy's going to do next. Yes, that's certainly <laughs> part of it. But there's just so many unanswered questions as far as just song meanings, not even asking about, you know, recording process or what happened with certain band members. It's just, mm-hmm. we just want to know what the song is, yeah. what it means. <laughs> Can you just tell us that? I want to know how many axles were in the room for the opening of Scrapped. I want to know. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. I... I still remember hearing like each one of those songs for their first time and being like, "What?" This is... So, and then all these years later, it's just it's it's phenomenal. It really is phenomenal that all these yeah. these different, some somewhat landmark happenings uh, throughout the fandom of GNR. And uh, another thing I wanted I I want to say before I forget, I was going to put it out there. Perhaps uh, Dan, you can join if this episode uh, comes to fruition. But I want to start doing episodes with not just interviews. But it's kind of like a roundtable discussion with fans who are at certain events. So if you were also at the Philadelphia riot and you, you know, perhaps have a different perspective than Dan or can add to his story or, or you know, whatever you feel that it, it could be the the Dexter thing that happened. If he answered your question, if it, so I want to get like a few more than just Dan, more than just a Dan, more than hmm. just one person on at a time fans to talk about a certain show, a certain event, and kind of highlight that for an episode. Those are things I kind of want to do going forward. In addition- I'll do you one better. Okay. Do that, but have everyone name Dan. Have like five <laughs> Dans. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, that'll be, I don't know. That would be Dan, too much. That's a common name. I, we'll see if we can make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's that's cool. Any uh, so any other GNR stories? Uh, that you, that you have that you want to um, take this moment to, I think to share. The, yeah, uh, those are again, those are two opposite ends of the spectrum. The only one I have in the middle was when I was working that same stadium, and the Philadelphia 76ers were playing the LA Lakers in the basketball playoffs or in the finals in 2001, and two, I guess the beginning of 2002. 
we, there was a lot of celebrities that showed up at our stadium and I was working there and I would see like, I think I remember Jack Nicholson was there at some point cause he loves the Lakers. Sure. Uh, just a bunch of celebrities were walking around and we're on like, the floor. And at one point I was breaking down my setup and I was on one end of the stadium and my friend, the same friend I keep talking about was at the other end. And he said he was leaving and saw a bunch of group of people like taking pictures, shaking someone's hand. And he asked some random guy, he's like, Hey, who's that guy everyone's talking to? And they're like, Oh, it's Axl Rose. <laughs> And my friend texted me immediately. He's like, dude, get to the other end of the stadium right now. Axel's actually here. And I was in the middle and I like didn't see my phone. So before any of like me actually seeing shows or any me thinking Guns N' Roses would ever come back, he was in the same building. And I was like, oh, my God, I wish I was as fast as the Flash because I would sprint <laughs> through this entire stadium. That's and cool. I remember he I think he got interviewed for like a local uh, news channel. They were just kind of asking what he's doing there. But it was so random because like nobody he was still elusive. So there was only like a handful of people who were like taking pictures of him. And I think this was before the time of like phone cameras and stuff. Was that the or am I thinking something else? Like you see it now. You see that interview when he has uh it's like long hair where it's parted. Yeah, it's that interview. It's that exact interview because they spell his name wrong. This is my first basketball game in person. This is your first game ever in person? Yeah, to go see it live, yes. Okay, all right. So you were at that, you were working that, that yeah, game. Yeah, I think the maybe the person that was interviewing him might have been for an L.A. channel, like okay. an L.A. news channel, like an ABC or NBC or something. Oh, okay. But I remember I know where he is, and I knew where he was, and I think he was saying where he was at the time. That's cool. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, what would you say your favorite Guns N' Roses song is? Can you pick one? Uh, obviously, as you get older, you know, your song tastes kind of change. Because, like, you might be feeling one one year for like or for five years, and then you get new meaning behind something as you get older. Sure. I think my all-time favorite has got to be Estranged. Okay. Because I shift between uh, It's So Easy, because that's, like, them in a time capsule. Uh, I also really enjoy better, like, cause I think that's like a perfectly made song by that band. Hmm. But with a strange, there's just so much going on and it's like, it's on so many levels that I don't think people can make songs like that anymore. Cause it's like so personal, but the wave of his emotions of like what his lyrics are, are fully encompassed in like the, the music from slash, like the solo or like the end when it builds up or like the silence at one part, like it's just a perfect song, and I think a lot of times as an adult, you know, we find meetings behind songs we didn't really get when we were younger. You know, I got into this band when I was 12, 13, totally. and I've been obsessed ever since. And that song, like, speaks a lot to me as, like, an adult sometimes when you feel, like, separated kind of from, you know, other people in your life. Even if it's just, like, even if it's not true, if, like, mentally you just feel, like, different from everyone else, you feel estranged. And even on the inside or outside, that's kind of the deepest song I feel like he's ever made. Cause I know it's probably about his life with Stephanie Seymour, or maybe it's about his life with like his father. He never knew or his mother and his family or like, you know, him being a celebrity, but it's just a really strong song on every aspect. And I think everyone was literally on the same page. They were like, yes, we're going to make this song like the biggest, most emotional song we can make and yeah you could argue that coma kind of tries to do the same thing but coma is like all over the place i don't know what's going on but i love that song <laughs> but estranged is like this poetry 
it, this sonic poetry that I don't think I don't think they could ever even if they made the best song right now, even if Izzy came back in the band and they tried to make the best song ever, I don't think that could like touch that. I I find based on a lot of comments that I get on social media that you are uh, in the majority. I think most people would say estranged, and there's you can't go wrong. You you really can't go wrong. I know there are. Uh, a lot of a lot of people like to have fun. I think even Ricky Rackman at the time, uh, at the video, and that's perhaps where you know GNR jumped the shark or jumped the dolphin. Oh, but, yeah, yeah jumped the dolphin or or whatever. But still, I mean, I look back and and at that video and that the lost art of of making a video. Uh, I think it's a lost art. Yeah, uh, oh, so, of course. No, yeah. so I, I can't argue with that. Uh, how about your your favorites? Do you have a, like a favorite? piece of Guns N' Roses memorabilia or a t-shirt or something? Um, so I, all right, well, I'm going to take a page out of, I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to take a page out of your Rod Jackson interview. Okay. Because I know when I listened to his interview and I know he was talking about his wife passing and it kind of, his love for music kind of like in his head, he's like, I just got to keep doing this. So my sister passed away, the one that uh, saw me on the news. Mm, she passed sorry. away about 10 years ago and she knew that I loved Guns N' Roses. I was like obsessed. She always made fun of me, but she always knew that like that was the one thing. So I had a shirt from the Philly riot. Like we bought me and my friend bought shirts before. And one of them said it was like a giant dragon on it. I'm sure you can find it on eBay, but it was like a shirt that said uh, Chinese Democracy World Tour 2002. And I remember how much it meant to me because I like made it into a muscle shirt. We didn't go to the show, obviously. So I'm like, I love this band. I'm going to keep this shirt. This is like a memorabilia. And when she passed, I decided to put that in her coffin as like a way to be like, I'm going to still, okay. My obsession is still going to be with you, even though you make fun of me for it. So that's probably personally, that's even though I don't have it, that's probably my favorite uh, memorabilia or merchandise that you would say cool. in my Guns N' Roses fandom. That's really nice. I appreciate you sharing that story. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really nice. I remember just for you saying that I, uh, my grandpa never had, uh, he grew up in because uh, I know you're not a sports guy, despite being from Philly. How does that happen? Yeah, all uh, right. <laughs> but he was a big New York Giants fan, the baseball team before mm -hmm. uh, they moved to San Francisco, obviously. And for some reason, he never owned, you know, as a boy, a Giants hat. So I bought him one later on in, in life. So that, and I put that in his uh, in his casket. So I'm sure a lot of people can relate to you. I'm sure you're not the only one. Now I feel like I'm quoting November Rain. Uh, <laughs> you're not the only one who's put some GNR stuff in. Uh, with a loved one, so that's that, that's really cool. I, I well, think. that's that's the that's the funny thing that like my two the things as I've gotten older, the two things that I realized I like love and that have been with me throughout my whole life are video games and Guns N' Roses, and both of those things are also the things that help me get through her passing, mm -hmm. like through like different games or like you know listening to Guns N' Roses and maybe finding something in a song and like always having that music with me. So the fact that as I got older, I'm like you know these are the two things I absolutely love. So when I started, when I realized I love video games and I started the video game podcast and I realized I love Guns N' Roses, that's why I wanted to combine the two. At this point, you know, my girlfriend probably gets sick and tired because all I want to do about, all I want to do is talk about video games or Guns N' Roses <laughs> or something that happens in one of those worlds. Sure. <laughs> so it kind of relates to you just say what's uh, like my, my favorite piece of memorabilia was that shirt or well, my favorite piece of memorabilia that means nothing to me right now is I have the locked and loaded Appetite for Destruction, huge box. 
and it means nothing to me just because it's like you know it's just a box of stuff wait you, but i love having it you bought the whole box set well <laughs> i want to pre i want to preface this first by saying that i waited for it to go down to 400 dollars. okay that was going to be i was going to follow uh, up with that yeah but these th- but these things that like i i hold on i still hold on up but i mean i would have never thought that they were going to reunite and like finally play together but these things that these loves that i've held on to are also connected to my sister because these things help me get through that. So I want to like hold on to these things as like in a way of honoring her, I guess. No, that's you are. You absolutely are. Yeah. I mean, you're you're you can you're, it still means something to you now. It, it yeah. gives you a reason to to think about her and and to remember, you know, that that funny story of I can only imagine you guys just in the background, like Jay and Silent Bob, just wa- wandering around. She's like, "Did, did he, did Dan start this?" You know, thinking. Yeah, she probably did think that. She probably <laughs> thought I was like crying too. <laughs> uh, well, no, again, I appreciate you you sharing that uh, that that story uh, with with us. Uh, before you know, we leave. Uh, I, I I have to ask, what's your favorite video game? Um, can you oh, can you name can you name one? That's a that's a tough one because I do have a lot. But there's one of my favorite games has got to be this game called Bioshock. I've and heard it, of it. Okay. Yeah, it came out about 2007. Uh, it's about this underwater city, but there's, it got abandoned in the 50s. So it's like this all this art deco look. And your plane crashes and you're like, you go underwater and find this city. It's like this utopia that became a dystopia. Okay. And you're kind of exploring the hallways and like you find out there's this weird conspiracy theory going. And like the guy that runs the place is like an evil Walt, Di- Walt Disney who like created it his name's andrew ryan and it's really unique there's three games in this series and i hope they just keep it that way because the third one kind of like ended like the story because it connected everything Mm. uh it's a really amazing game all these all three of them are amazing games if you haven't played them you could probably find them cheap somewhere if you have like a ps3 lying around Okay. Yeah, I, I highly recommend those games. I was actually going to ask uh, what console it was for. They, you, they all came out on the PS, the PlayStation Three, but then they all got like remastered and cleaned up and released on the newer consoles. So oh. if you have a newer one, you can play it. If you have a PlayStation Three or an Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, you can still play them. Cool. I still have my regular Nintendo with, that, ga- with that's awesome with Game Genie. <laughs> oh, you have a Game Genie? I did a whole episode about the Game Genie. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh man, it's I don't know. It just obviously you want to beat the game for real, but sometimes playing those Ninja Turtle games, it's just so much more fun just going through it, man. We we found out, me and my co-host found out that of course you you have codes that you put in to give you like infinite lives, but if you put in like a code that wasn't like registered or a code that maybe like was one number off, there's a possibility that it would destroy your game and make your game unplayable because it would like rewrite everything in the cartridge. Whoa. Yeah, so if you put in something that you thought you were making up a code, your game would be, like, destroyed. <laughs> you would just enter the uh, the self-destruct code? Yeah, your Nintendo would probably blow up. Jesus. Yeah, probably. And also, since we're talking about guns and roses, the only gun I've ever fired in my life was for Duck Hunt. Oh, my God, yes, of course. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, that, that very cool, man. I, I And I, I will say, because my... My brother Tristan, he gets all these. The he has the VR headset, mm-hmm. so he's. I like watching him play, like even like the Rick and Morty game. You know, 
kind of kind yeah of i have yet to get a vr i always wanted to but they're just so damn expensive they're, they're like 350 or I something know. he uh he's mr Moneybags, i guess <laughs> uh actually before we get out of here let's do this uh real quick if you I, and we talked about it before so i know you're down to do a little news <laughs> i figured i love it I, i'd use you uh while you're here so I want to talk about, you know, in the shot in the the GNR news cycle, obviously there's really no announcement of anything uh, music-wise, but what has been picked up again by the news cycle, which we um I'd say maybe towards the earlier episodes we spent more time on this and uh I don't want to I don't want to create too big, go off on too big of a tangent cuz this story just goes too many different ways. And that's our I'll say, you know, my friend of the show Let's say friend of the show, whether you like him or not, uh, Rick Dunsford. So if you're unfamiliar, Rick is just a like me or Dan, uh, a crazy Guns N' Roses fan. He has his own life, you know, doing his own job, family, whatever. But he's obviously obsessed with Guns N' Roses because he's spent uh, thousands and thousands of dollars, not just to see them around the country, but to buy things. Uh, we, I, I've made some of these episodes private just because, again, some of these people who are involved in these stories i just i gotta block them out i gotta block them out but if you want to see, hear any of these episodes uh i'll just call them hidden tracks but we did a whole episode about how we i don't forget how much he spent on the uh 2001 house of blues show oh wow so it was like astronomical it was like you can't really say it no i just honestly forget it may oh, wow. I, don't, I don't think it was just him i think just like with the the current leaks from the Chinese session. Yeah, didn't he go in with a bunch of people to get it? Yeah, so it was with yeah. a bunch of people to get it, and nobody of that group was supposed to to leak it. And I have seen not the high quality version of it, but I've I've watched that show with Paul Hughey or Hugh. I have seen that show too. Uh, when I finally right. saw it, I was like, "This is the Holy Grail. I can, I can move on." It's like finally seeing something you only heard about, you know? It really is a holy grail. Just to see Axel in, in that period in time and that's his comeback. Uh, I, I can understand not wanting that out now, perhaps, if you feel like it's going to ruffle any feathers with Slack. Yeah. I, I guess, but uh, I, I, if you have the means to to watch it, you know, without doing anything illegal, disclaimer, uh, please, please watch it. So, Rick... Uh, we talked about it again when it, I mean, it made all these major news outlets about how he was banned forever to go see Guns N' Roses. He was pulled at a line at a Wichita, Kansas show. And I, I think that may have been where I think I ended the story, the fact that he was banned. I, That's knew- insane. I don't know what I would do if somebody grabbed me out of a Guns N' Roses line and said, yo, dude, you're never coming to a show. I don't know what I would do. I would flip out. I, I think that's something we talked about, actually. I know I talk about this with Brett Buchanan from uh, Alternative Nation. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because it's me and I have a, a disability where I you know, use a cane and have leg braces, I would have milked that. Like, you know, Guns N' Roses kicks out handicapped fan. <laughs> I would have went on the floor, started twitching or whatever. You know, I, 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 I'm an angry Jew when it comes down to it. I know I'm, <laughs> a lot of people think of, you know, I try to be a nice guy here on the podcast, but when I... I can get angry. I mean, obviously, I'm getting angry just thinking about it. You're just talking about it. Because I just don't think, you know, if you're going to ban Rick, you got to ban everybody involved. If that's you what gotta you want to do. you got to ban everyone from 2001 who's ever listened to something off Napster or every single – you know what I'm saying? Like, this is – that's kind of a bold thing to do. And I don't care how big the guy is that put him out of line. 
like just to threaten him. I know, I believe there was like three or four, four people around him, right? When they yeah. Him. Yeah. No, it, it, I think it's a perfect word. It's a very bold thing to do. And I'm assuming because we don't hear anything from uh, Guns N' Roses management. They did r- release a statement to TMZ. So TM- of all the places, you're going to tell TMZ, so, the most reliable source. Right. So this is what's amazing. So we thought this story was dead in the water. We've talked about it on, on the podcast, uh, on, on other, on, on the forums. It's just, again, there's so many tunnels. You know, this sounds like a Bioshock game. It, there's so, yeah, so many yeah. ways to go in this story, and I just can't cover them all right now. Uh, but, it, again, I think we stopped with the banning, but now... Uh, TMZ is, I, th- I believe, has copies of the the lawsuit, the the, the paperwork that Guns N' Roses management and in the the label has sent to Rick because they're suing him for money because they were going to reimburse him and the others for the amount of money that they spent. Cool. Uh, I don't believe they were going to reimburse Rick for his flight or anything like that. No, I, I don't think they were. I think yeah. maybe maybe his ticket because he was also and and this will be as we continue this uh, shotgun news portion of the episode. Uh, so he was going to be reimbursed if he didn't promise to leak anything else, and it was shortly after that things everything was was leaked. You know, hard school and uh, eye on you and all these different brain remixes and all these things and. And Fernando uh, believed that it was uh, Rick doing it. And I've said on the podcast, unless unless Rick is this crazy master master manipulator, I don't think he's lying. Every story that he's told me privately, it's not like he's saying the same story when he's being interviewed by, and I think it's coming out soon, the New York Post. He was just on Eddie Trunk. He was on Trunk Nation. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's pretty great. So actually, if you ask Rick, if you're friendly with him on social media, he will send you the file. And I'll talk about it. I think Eddie handled it very well. It's so funny. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I'll get to that in in a second. But Rick, in the private conversations that him and I have had, in the private conversations Rick has had with other people that was leaked, <laughs> speaking of leaks, <laughs> uh, his story has remained the same. So uh, that's all I can go with. I can't. That's the danger with uh, Team Brazil or, or Guns N' Roses management being very quiet. I understand, and it was said very well by when I interviewed uh, Penelope Spheris, who is the director of Wayne's World. And, oh, yeah, I remember. And the decline of Western civilization. Right. So I asked, how come, like, why wasn't Guns N' Roses in there? How can they not be in there? Well, if you remember, she said they were supposed to close the show. It wasn't supposed to be Megadeth. They got Megadeth instead. And at the time, it was Alan Niven. And Alan, they, this is when they were starting to really take off. And they said, at that point, and she understood, she didn't find out until years later, though, because Slash would always apologize to her whenever she, they've seen each other in public, huh. that if things are going well, you really don't want to do anything to rock the boat, even if it seems good. So why aren't they doing, why would they do that in the 80s and not do it in 2018, uh, 2019, you know? I, I I don't know. So I mean, I I, I want I'm, I'm bringing that up because I understand the philosophy where, and and this goes in ties into the Eddie Trunk thing. And this was after he got off the call with with Rick, and and Eddie gets it obviously. He there is always a section of fans that is just a hyper hyper fans. They are just over the top. And I'm not talking like the sickos, you know, when you hear about stalking or breaking in or yeah hurting. But I'm saying the over like we deal with a lot of, as Guns N' Roses fans. 
and and you could say Rick is in that. He's the one that's going to spend this amount of money and all with along with others to buy these unheard songs. Mm-hmm. And, and if you listen to it, Eddie's reaction was kind of funny. Like he's like, "You care about the Chinese democracy stuff?" Like he kind of, you know, <laughs> shoot it aside a bit. He's and because Rick is name dropping songs. That were leaked, and, and Eddie's like, "Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there are other fans that know what you're talking about, but because uh, I think the general public doesn't care. I think that's that's the thing. And and what, yeah, when you cross a whole other level of like, you know, nobody else gives a shit, but you're still going to do it anyway. I think that is that level that you're talking about. That level of fandom that is like, they're shelling out God knows how much money just to get these leaks of these songs of this album that nobody bought, <laughs> right?" And it's it's cool to be a fan. You know, I have, you know, double-digit T-shirts. I've obviously seen plenty of shows. I'm doing a fucking podcast about it. You know, you've explained your story. But there could be certain levels. And again, this is not going the dangerous level. That's that's a whole different yeah. conversation. So like, I'm not putting a second mortgage out of my house just to get a hard school never, version, Never, never. Even, I think, uh, I don't think my girlfriend's Rick uh, level, but she's crazy about Dave Matthews. So she will spend a lot of money to go to Mexico for a week to go see oh, their wow. go see their entire, you know, uh, sh- string of shows in, in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, if that's what you want to do, I'm not going with you. But if you want, if you want to spend, <laughs> don't that, ask me. Yeah, no, so that's that's fine. So Eddie really understood that, and and Rick told his story, and Eddie is asking all the questions that we've all been asking for a year, and it was funny. It's like, when did this happen? And, and Rick's like, this happened last year. So people are just finding out about it now. And I think the lawsuit, having that be public, because I've known about that for a while, and other people have known about that for a while, because, you know, as long as you're a nice guy to Rick, I guess, he's not going to block you or anything. He'll just straight up tell you. He'll just tell you. He's not really hiding anything. And, you know, he admitted to Eddie, and Eddie kind of laughed that, uh, that Rick is having some fun trolling Guns N' Roses where he will have a friend at a Vegas show take pictures. He's taking the pictures, right? Yeah, and then they'll send pictures of their bodyguard looking for Rick, and Rick is obviously home somewhere in, in Louisiana or wherever. Oh my from. god, that was so good when I heard about that. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> Rick, if you want to keep poking the bear or whatever. So I actually asked him this morning, because I, I, I was talking to him about the Eddie uh, interview, and it was so funny. There were people posting on Rick's uh, Facebook that the story was picked up by uh, a local news in Argentina. So this is going by, oh, wow. this is all over the world. You know, it, it was the first time around when he got banned. It was translated in other languages. So it's making the rounds again, again with the plus of, okay, th- there are now documents you see uh, signed by Guns N' Roses. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. But Eddie brought up, one thing that's funny, the, the label wants to sell the music to Rick. They just want to sell it to him, which he would, like, okay, I spent the money originally. Whereas opposed, you know, GNR may want him to, to get in trouble uh so just like how we talked about earlier with the ban if you're going to get rick and i've said this before you know i may not agree with the punishment but it's not my business you got to punish everybody that's you literally got to punish every single person that's like even said the name of a song to a friend even if they never like if i just said hard school to like my second cousin who lives in atlanta i should get punished for that like you can't especially from what slash said not showing up in decline of western civilization like we don't want to, you know, mess anything up while we're on top of our game. Guns N' Roses have been bigger than they've ever been in the past almost 25 years right now. Why would you go out of your way to to grab a blip on your radar? Who's not even a blip on your radar? Because if these are songs 
that are unimportant, so unimportant to shelve for a band that you're trying to put behind you because you're sort of like coasting on your uh, nostalgia tour. I mean, no offense, I love them, but it's, you know, it's older songs. So if you're doing that, why would you even care? I, you know, why I would agree. Team Brazil even care to go after this person? So Rick has been publicly, uh, he, he has said that he just feels, and he said it on, on, on Eddie's show, that he feels it's just a personal vendetta at this point. And I, I kind of, at this point, the more like I do talk about because I don't talk about this with a lot of people, but I agree. I think they just wanted to find a mascot for yeah. the whole leaks, and they found it in this guy. I, 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 I've said, you know, something very similar, and I agree with that, and you know, and I've emailed uh, Fernando, and I put it out there. I would love to interview him and 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 Beta. Not even just to press them for, you know, pertinent information, just for them to show the fans who they are as people. Because obviously, yeah. the, I don't want to say obviously. I'd like to think where Axel was as a person and where he is now that they have helped him with a family environment. And 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 who knows? I mean, we can go how they've been for him personally, you know, financially. But I, I I don't know. But this goes back to silence is dangerous because yeah, you're protecting yourself, but you're also you're creating these empty vessels for other people to fill with their opinion. Hundred percent. And yeah. it, and it like to be, us, right. I mean, not saying that they're I don't know them personally, but to me, in this scenario, Fernando and Beta are the bad guys. And again, like they're not technically the bad guys. They're just on the other side of this. And I'm a fan, so I'm not on Rick's side, but I'm seeing it from a fan perspective and not hearing anything from their end except from TMZ, which my mom and her stepdad and my stepdad watch. So that doesn't <laughs> give me any validation that that's going to show up. I'm like, great. That's awesome. TMZ, you got it. So it just doesn't make any sense, like what they're doing. The silence just doesn't make any sense. So in my eyes, I have to my subjective and my objective opinion is that my view is that you should either punish no one or every single person and you can't punish every single person. So just call it a loss. Yeah, no, I agree. And I don't feel even comfortable calling certain people bad guys. Yeah, that's why I didn't, I couldn't think of, I was for lack of a better word. I no, I know what you mean. I think of another word. No, no, I know what you mean. I'm just picking backing on your thought is that, but you don't know where to place some sort of blame because bad things are happening. And I asked Rick, I'm like, where do you want this to go? You know, because obviously he he will tell anybody. You know, he he wants to share his story, and he's mm-hmm. like, I just don't want to be banned anymore. Nothing about yeah, it's a simple it's a simple request. Nothing about money. He's like, I just don't want to be banned anymore. So again, he's he's not the sect of fan that's dangerous. Where I feel he's gonna, you know, goff a bid, do a you know, dime bank Daryl situation or Christina Grimmy. Forgive me if I'm forgetting. Uh, how to pronounce her name, but she was one of, uh, I think it was like a X Factor or something. That was something horrific at a, at a meeting. Oh, right? wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, this was like a couple years ago. And I remember, I think I may have told this story, but real briefly on the air, it was like a couple years ago. And I think it happened in Orlando. And I remember shortly after we uh, here at iHeart, we had Blink 182 here. And I mentioned before, you know, I'm handicapped, I have a cane. And even though I work here, they wanted to check my cane, see if it was a weapon. And oh, wow. they, they were trying to like, hey, you know, I'm sorry, we don't mean to offend. I was like, no, because it just happened like a couple weeks ago. I'm like, no, I get it. You know, I'm not going to take offense because, you know, I want you to feel, I want everyone just to feel safe. If you feel, you know, I know it's weird to have a, a mid thirties guy with a cane. Like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> so, but so again, unless it it was like that, and I think there are fans out there like that. Rick isn't. 
Yeah. You know, again, yeah, from what I've seen, what I've heard, he definitely does not. Yeah. Unless he's pulling a Kaiser Soze and he's just. Oh, my God. That would be the biggest <laughs> twist in history. Exactly. He's walking off. He's. He jumps in a car with all the leaks and drives off. <laughs> Again. Yeah, no, exactly. And I said this, to, I think I said this to you uh, off the air, but uh, these are, for me, because I've heard the leaks or the majority of them, they're not ones, I, it's like I listen to them one and done. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I, I wish that Chinese democracy, it made me just think, I wish Chinese democracy was three albums or something like that. But it's not something that I consistently listen to. It's when Chinese Democracy, those leaks came out. I just thought that's all I'm ever going to hear on yeah, this new album. So I just think for the most part, it's, it's harmless. Because even when you have a guy like Eddie Trunk, not even knowing what the fuck you're talking about, you know, and he has his finger on the pulse, is it really going to damage if you rework hard school? You know, I I don't know. I, I think it, I, I just hope at this point, because it's just not doing... Anybody who still hates Axl Rose or Guns N' Roses, or whatever, because they've built up a lot of cred these last few uh, few years, you know, keeping this tour together that people thought were, was going to fail right after Coachella. Or oh yeah, um, and and they're on time. They're early sometimes. You know, why have anything really truly negative out there? But the GNR thing was uh, their statement was more directed, not even necessarily at at Rick, but uh, because now Tom Zutan's name is out there. I did see that. I was like, when I because it name dropped his name in it, right? Yeah. So and and I I kind of kept that quiet because I would love to interview Tom at some point in my life, and I don't want to, yeah. you know, in this GNO world is very hard to interview people. So I sometimes that's why I don't push as hard. I don't. I want people. Yeah, to yeah. I was I was surprised by that because I was like, I mean, not to get too deep, but I was like, that's the first time I've ever seen his name associated with them in a while, like out in the public. Yeah, so you know? I, I've known about that for a while, but I kept that, you know, I wasn't going to start spilling Rick's story everywhere, but he was mm. the one who sold it, uh, according to Rick, uh, to somebody, uh, to a buyer in Virginia, and that buyer in Virginia sold it to Rick and these other people who were, you know, investing in these leaks or whatever. So, yeah. So that's the story. So It's who, such a shitstorm. It's who, insane. <laughs> right. So wouldn't you go after the other guy? Wouldn't you go after Tom? You know, why, Rick? You're, you're just hurting a fan. Like, no... F- no fans really feel like the band could be out to get me. And now, right now, for someone to Google Guns N' Roses, the first thing that someone's going to see is their statement about suing a fan. Like, that's going to be the first, that's the most up to date thing about Guns N' Roses right now. So, that's damaging their name in general right now, already in 2020. See, it, it's we're not five good. minutes into 2020, and Guns N' Roses <laughs> is already suing someone. <laughs> And that's what the, the jokes were about them for so long. You know, there's always lawsuits going on with this band. But, you know, I guess if the, the law, as long as the lawsuits aren't between the members at this point, I guess. Yeah, but, they had to throw they had to throw lawsuits to somebody, I guess. I, I guess. But uh, I, I said it before. You know, I, I talk about this stuff with a bit of trepidation because mm-hmm. I, I don't do what because I have a podcast and I talk about this stuff. Am I going to be banned from upcoming shows? Am I going to be sued because I'm talking about things that may or may not be factually accurate, but I'm doing my the best of my ability as a, yeah. you know, someone who has a journalism degree, who works in radio, to try to tell these stories. So it's, uh, I, I don't, it's not good to have for me to have that fear that my favorite band may ban me. So it's, I, I just hope, like kind of what Eddie said, I hope everybody kind of gets what they want. Maybe this is some sort of misunderstanding or it could be, these leaks can be released in a better way because obviously people want to spend money. 
So uh, we'll see because this is a story obviously that has not died. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's I feel like we're definitely going to hear more from it in 2020. I thought it, I thought it was 100 percent dead. I thought that was it. Like whatever's going on would be privately done. I didn't think a statement was going to come out, which is insane. Not yet. Well, we know they're alive because they may not give uh, statements to the fans. They'll give a statement yeah, to TMZ. Yeah. The only reason we know Guns N' Roses are still alive is because they're touring their 500 leg of Not In This Lifetime <laughs> and they're suing someone. <laughs> oh, this band that we love so much. Uh, yeah. So what the what the fuck? fuck see, I can't even say it. W, what the hell Famicom? Yeah, it's, what, yes, the, what the Famicom? <laughs> WT Famicom? <laughs> WT Famicom. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, how, how can people follow you and, and find your, your podcast? Uh, so I have, so my podcast is actually part of your family. I have my podcast on iHeartRadio. Oh, nice. Yeah, my podcast, it's just simple. It's just WT Famicom. You can just look up WT Famicom or a gaming podcast. I'm on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, um, iTunes, CastBox. I think I'm pretty much on all the uh, podcast platforms. And then on social media, I just have a Twitter and an Instagram, and they're just WT Famicom, W-T-F-A-M-I-C-O-M. And it's just gaming memes. I just make them up, uh, the reviews of games that are fake reviews. Um, then I have clips of my podcast. I started the podcast in July, and before it was just me, and then I gradually realized that talking to myself is a little bit boring, <laughs> because you have guests on all the time, so it's easy for you. Like For me, I'm like, oh, I think I can do this. And it was just nothingness. Like, I didn't have someone to react to. So a guy, one of my friends joined me who I've known since I was like five years old. And so we just talk about all the games we used to play. So it was just me and him talking. Um, so I just run the social media. I have a Twitter. It's WT Famicom and the same as the Instagram. So I kind of just put up all original content, clips of our show, reviews, pictures, videos, anything you can think of. It's all just video game nonsense. So if you just want to go into talking about video games but with like a funny spin on it or like a kind of like this is fucking weird then that's what our podcast is for sounds good man well i i appreciate your your time today and uh you know i'm sure we'll we'll do this again because i i, would love, I like the I would love to search for the guy that got axel on grand theft auto please i i i i had trouble you know uh, I, i'm pretty good with finding guests but obviously there are plenty of you out there who have brought guests to me that's why i have some some amazing listeners so uh, that's your your homework assignment. If you can make it I happen, it. that would okay. be amazing. <laughs> Tommy Nightmare. What's yeah. the story behind Tommy Nightmare? I appreciate you asking me to come on too. I appreciate being on the show. I love listening to the show. I haven't. I, I think I missed like one or two, but one or two recent ones. But I've literally listened to your show almost all the time at work because I just do a boring office job. So I'm like, I just throw my headphones on. Well, that means a lot. Thank you. Because uh, as I've said, I for whatever reason don't listen to podcasts. I think just I think just growing up in in radio essentially is just made me tired of listening to people talk. But then again, I listen to sports radio when I do listen to uh, to talk radio, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but anyone who spends time listening to me and my, my stupid little sound bites, and uh, that's why I'm, I'm appreciative of all, every, each and every listener, especially if you're, you know, you know uh, the difficulty that goes into making a podcast and how hard it is. So uh, I, I appreciate it, and I respect uh, what you do. And uh, I was trying to think of a, a good video game quote to end this but i couldn't think of one rest now it's a me right. mario i don't know there you go that's the way i always end my podcast by just by saying have a good evening have a good night and then game over and that's how then a sound effect plays i like that i like that <laughs> i'll play this sound effect uh for you though right now 
You're officially a bad apple. There we apple. go. I love bad apples. <laughs> I love that song. It's so wild. Right on. So thank you so much. And uh, again, we'll, we'll do this again soon, hopefully about GTA, but you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Thanks. Yeah, of course. Again, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Dan. So that does it for episode 166 of Appetite for Distortion. It's Brando saying thank you so much to each and every single one of you for spending your time with me on this little night train of a podcast, this uh, Guns N' Roses-themed bar mitzvah party of a broadcast where we look at life through Guns N' Roses-colored glasses. Thanks for hanging out. Our our six degrees of Guns N' Roses bacon, if you will. Best way to keep up to date with the podcast as far as uh, future guests and anything else that's happening. We have a blast on social media. Appetite for Distortion. Find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and soon, Instagram. That's right, kids. I'm catching up. Well, I mean, I have my own personal Instagram if you're so inclined. Uh, Belbiv Brando. Yes, like the the band Belbiv DeVoe. Uh, but I want to make an Appetite for Distortion Instagram page. You might be thinking, yeah, and I got some comments about it on, on Twitter. It's mainly for photos, but come on. How many uh, YouTubers, quote-unquote YouTubers, put their stuff on Instagram? So obviously plenty of video. I might start doing like audio teases of episodes, putting it up on Instagram. And if you follow us on social media, you, you know that I share a lot of awesome pictures. So... Well, that's perfect for Instagram. So I'll make an announcement. I'll post that on on, uh, Facebook and Twitter when we have an Instagram. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, I remember the days where my college was not even on Facebook yet, where where Facebook was just meant for universities, and and Hofstra was not on the list yet. I remember that. I remember the days of, why do I need Facebook? I'm on MySpace. And look where we are. (laughs) Jesus. But regardless, please follow me. We all want to be followed and liked, hence social media. Anyway, uh, I digress. Thanks for hanging out again. Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next one? Next episode, well, the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Security, I'm going home.